0: My question to you is, how do you do this? How do you make um, high, in fact, for you, it's super high performance construction. How are you making that affordable? Interesting thing
1: is, um, you know, we did the math, you know, pretty early on, we started uh, doing energy calculations on our houses and figuring out, okay, how many, you know, BTUs is this gonna use if we use this window or this wall or whatever. And so we did the math on it. And we realize, for every dollar you throw in to energy efficiency, you get back a buck 50, you know? And so, um, and so it's actually less expensive to build a net zero energy home than it is to build a, a code minimum home. Interesting. You're looking at what your monthly payment is. Well, you know, most people are on a 30 year mortgage, right? Right. And you hear things like, Oh, your solar panels aren't going to pay off for 18 years. Well, you do the math on that and you realize 18 is less than 30. <laughs>
0: so, right. And it doesn't take a math wizard to do I that. love it. <laughs> you know. Welcome to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. I'm your host, KT. Our guest today is Ted Clifton of T.C. Legend Homes. Ted has a background of 30 plus years in the residential construction industry. He is passionate about the process of drafting a family's dream home and then turning it into a reality. Building net zero carbon neutral energy homes adds another level of purpose to his work. And it is a motivation in his being a leader in sustainability. When he's not building, Ted enjoys going on adventures with his three kids, skiing, biking, camping. And TC Legend Homes has won numerous awards for building beautiful custom homes, which are well-designed, affordable, and create all the electricity needed for the home to operate on site. An example of one of the awards that TC Legend Homes has won is the 2022 Housing Innovation Award from the U.S. Department of Energy. With that award, he was uh, recognized for having built a home that was just under 2,000 square feet, and had an average energy bill of negative $20. So what that means is that you actually were ahead $20 each month on energy. That $20 Ted says could be used to power your electric vehicle. So we're really excited to talk to Ted today because one of the challenges that, um, is current in the industry is that while a lot of builders recognize the positive benefits of building high-performance home, not all do. So we're going to talk about some of the reasons why Ted has decided to make high-performance homes the standard of all the homes he builds. So I'm eager to speak with Ted. Ted, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Um, and uh, happy to be here, and happy
1: to share what I've learned about building net zero energy houses. That's
0: fantastic. So, one of the things I want to start off with is explaining to uh, all the listeners, just because uh, we're going to be talking about some industry jargon terms, net zero, zero energy ready. <laughs> don't don't change the, the station. Here, here, here is out because the things we're really going to be talking about are ways that you can save a tremendous amount of money on your annual heating and cooling uh, requirements on your home. And Ted's been doing this for a long time; he's very, very good at it. So take notes if you're in a place where you can sit down. If you're not, you can download this entire. Uh, program as a podcast, wherever you get your podcast, but this is going to be one that you're going to gain a lot of insight and you're going to really be appreciative. So Ted, um, can you explain how building homes that allow people not to have to write a check to the utility company every month, how did this become a passion for you? Yeah, that's a great question.
1: Um, You know, I was, working along in the construction industry, building houses, you know, luxury custom homes, I mean, all kinds of different projects. Uh, And then I ended up having this opportunity back in 2011 um, to build a net zero energy house. And I thought, well, this is something I didn't think was going to happen in my generation. I thought maybe my kids would have to sort out this issue of like, how, how do we make housing more sustainable? How do we how do we get off fossil fuels? I mean, all those things were kind of like high in the sky fantasies, you know. Mm-hmm. The car runs on gas. There's really no solution to this problem <laughs> that that we're going to be able to come up with, right? We just get what we get and don't throw a fit and try to <laughs> try to move on, you know, and do our best, right? And so uh, these folks came to me. They were they were from Seattle, and they said, "Well, hey, we've got this, you know, set of house plans your dad designed." He can't build the house because it's too far away for him. Are you interested? And oh, by the way, our budget is 180,000 bucks. <laughs> and so, you know, in Seattle in 2011, you can kind of look up what an average new home cost. And it's not 180,000. <laughs> no. You know, much less a net zero energy home. That's that was 1911. <laughs> yeah, that was. And so, you know, in 2011, you know, it was just after the downturn, you know, we were kind of going from, high-end remodel, the high-end remodel, just you know, kind of making ends meet. And we looked at this project and we said, you know what? We're just going to say yes and then figure out how to do it. And so we, we looked at all the parts and pieces and we said, well, it, okay, it has to be a net zero energy home. That was the whole premise. And it has to cost $180,000. So we we just connected the dots. We said, well, we need the solar panels. Okay. They're expensive. How do we need less of them? Okay. So we need triple pane windows and we need, you know, SIPs panel walls. And, you know, we, we use all these different techniques that, you know, some of them were more expensive. You know, some of them weren't like a heat pump turned out to be the same cost as a gas boiler or whatever. So some of them were actually um, even in net savings. And then we, we just tightened the budget everywhere else. And so we managed to put the house together for, you know, on budget and, and actually on schedule. Nice. You know, far less of a cost than neighboring houses. And then, you know, after doing one of them, we thought, well, you know, I had just done a kitchen and bathroom remodel. That was $200,000 for some real fancy house on the, you know, with a view of the ocean. That puts it into perspective. Wow. And then we built Seattle's first net zero energy home for 180,000 bucks and I was sold. I'm like, we need to do this. Um and as luck would have it, the owner was an advertiser. He worked as an advertiser for I think a children's book publishing company and so he had a blog, you know, and he he got the local news stations and radio stations to come by and do cool. interviews. So, you know, Fox News was over there and everybody else and and um and all of a sudden we were famous. Um, and, and people started calling up and, and saying, where, where do I get a net zero IP house? And so we, you know, our business really, you know, really took off down there. And, um, and it gave, it gave this amazing meaning to an otherwise, you know, it's a very satisfying work building houses, but it's not, never was it looked upon as like, I'm saving the planet or anything like that. No, you just, you look at all the waste it creates and all the energy it uses and, And, um, you know, so building net zero energy houses really took this this kind of normal job and
0: turned it into a a, a passion, a mission. I could tell I could hear it in your voice. So let me ask you this question. You're a member of the NHB. I I am as well. Um, I had the privilege last month as part of a team from the NHB to sit down with the chair of the Federal Reserve and one of the uh governors of the Federal Reserve. Uh so Chair Powell and Governor Jefferson. And what we did was we we shared with those gentlemen what we felt as the NAHB were some challenges to homeownership. And you know, a lot of people are are saying the affordability issue is a big deal in housing. And and the the, uh, Fed chair is aware of this. And so there's just a lot of energy and thought going around, how do we make home ownership more affordable? And how do we get more people in homes? One of the arguments that a number of builders make is that one of the biggest challenges to affordability is that the local communities continue to raise the requirement for construction, continue to to strengthen the, the, the uh, code requirements. And a good number of builders saying, stop doing that, because that's just really going to make it so that we can't build homes. But, you know, as I was doing research on TC Legend, it was clear to me that you're building homes in the same environment that other people are building custom homes. And yet you've taken a completely different tact. Instead of saying, Hey, stop, stop uh, regulating further improvements in energy efficiency um, because I can't make a living. You're saying, look, we have a mission that every home we build, we want to have it not require energy from the utility company. We want the homeowner to be self-sufficient. So, My question to you is, how do do you do this? How do you make um, high, in fact, for you, it's super high performance construction. How are you making that affordable? Interesting thing is, um, you know, we did the math, you know,
1: pretty early on. We started uh, doing energy calculations on our houses and figuring out, okay, how many you know, BTUs, is this going to use if we use this window or this wall or whatever? And so we did the math on it. And we realized for every dollar you throw in to energy efficiency, you get back a buck 50, you know, and so um, and so it's actually less expensive to build a net zero energy home than it is to build a, a code minimum home. Interesting. When you're looking at what your monthly payment is. Well, you know, most people are on a 30 year mortgage, Right. Right. And you hear things like, oh, your solar panels aren't going to pay off for 18 years. Well, you do the math on that and you realize 18 is less than 30. (laughs) Right? And it doesn't take a math wizard to do that. I love it. You know? So any of these building techniques that have a payoff of less than 30 years mean you have a smaller payment every month. So you might pay an extra $300 a month for your house to have a net zero energy house but you're saving $400 a month in utility bills. And it's the same with an electric car and a gas car. You start looking at what the costs are and you know your electrical cost is so much less than what that gasoline is. Even though your car payment's a little more, you actually end up saving money every month on your total bills. And really, especially if you can wrap your car's fuel cost into your home mortgage. So then all of a sudden you have enough solar on your roof to power your car and you've amortized that over 30 years and that cost will never go up. So I plug my car into my house and I know that my fuel costs for my car, not only do I never have to pay it, but it's never going to go up. So when people talk about the price gas going up,
0: Not if you have a positive energy house. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. Um, So what, what you're really encouraging people to do is take a guaranteed expense, which is the fuel to move your car forward over the years and wrap that into this equation. Because when you do that, all of a sudden, you have a broader perspective of your, your overall expenses, and you're just basically capturing the money that you would spend um, putting fuel in your car and allowing that to help you justify the initial uh, investment into solar. And ultimately you're going to come away with um, a, a formula that allows you to add solar and, and be ahead of the game. Yeah. Is that fair?
1: And it's, you know, I love problems, right? I mean, a problem is just a puzzle. And if you've ever done a puzzle or, you know, crossword or anything like that, you understand, you know, there's a, you know, the the puzzle's all set up for you. You don't necessarily get to pick the puzzle, but you just, you have to find the solution. And so, you know, with net zero energy, you know, with housing, with transportation, all these sort of things, it was just this puzzle to solve and i feel like we really solved the puzzle figured out how to do it very cost effectively and actually save everyone money in the long run
0: yeah now when you say cost effectively um i i would say is there a way that you could give uh the listeners an idea so i'll tell you what uh has been discussed on the show earlier so really to do a nice home that does not require energy from the local utility company. So it's creating all the energy it wants or needs on site. Uh, It's a beautiful custom home that mm, $500 uh, a foot in the Seattle area or at a minimum is, is what a person would expect. So when you say affordable, are you saying that like $500 a foot would be like an affordable starting point for the, The super high performance homes you're building?
1: Well, we are currently building homes for 300 to 360 a a foot. Wow. And so um, now we pulled out of Seattle. We're based out of Bellingham, which is about an hour away. So, you know, we're building in Bellingham. It's a little quieter market, you know, a little less expensive, but we're still at the bottom. And when I talk to bankers in the area, they say custom homes. In Bellingham, range from three fifty to five fifty a square foot. Okay, and we're building from three hundred to three sixty a square foot. So we're somehow—I mean, we're still using decent finishes, and our houses yep. look nice, and people love them. Somehow, we're still building at the bottom of the custom home market.
0: Uh, so my earlier statement—I I, I confirming that it's still accurate—that. Uh, High performance homes do not necessarily cost more than traditionally built homes. You're saying that that is still accurate? Yeah, very accurate. And we've just
1: figured out you know, we figured out how to do it. And there's some real simple techniques if you're interested on how we get there. Yes. You're
0: listening to designing and building your dream home, and with us today is Ted Clifton from TC Legend. Ted, you mentioned that you would be able to walk us through how you build your homes, um, how you create these high, super high-performance custom homes and do it affordably. Uh, very, very interested in in hearing you kind of build that out. Maybe we could just start at the bottom, at the, the ground site selection. Does it matter what location I choose for the home in terms of trying to build affordably
1: yeah i mean if you're really trying to build an affordable net zero energy house um you know flat lot is ideal like anytime you you know you have a slope you just add a lot of costs. you know trucking dirt in and out dump trucks and excavators and things like that if you start with a flat lot especially one that doesn't have critical areas that's going to make it a lot easier to keep your budget down
0: what what's a critical area
1: Oh, if you have a, you know, wetlands nearby or steep slopes okay. or, you know, any kind of drainage issues or, um, you know, other hazards, uh, that's gonna, you know, make your, make your permitting and construction process, you know, not impossible, but just a little more expensive and difficult.
0: If, um, if you were working with a, uh, family looking to build a custom home, should they buy the lot first, or would it make sense to talk to you f- first about the lots selections
1: available? Yeah. Typically we do a little consultation, you know, we, you know, people will often call us before they bought the property and they'll say, Hey, Ted, you know, how does this lot look? Is this going to work? Um, because, you know, not everybody knows what the criteria are for right. zero home, what it might need. And then. In our neighborhood, you know, in the Pacific Northwest, we're looking for sun exposure. That's a big one. Um, so no huge trees directly to the south of you. Okay. You, know, you want to get some some daylight and some solar power in there. Um, and then, you know, a flat lot that's big enough that you have, you know, enough setbacks that you can comfortably put the house in the uh, in the right spot. Okay.
0: Yeah. So then... Let's talk a little bit about the actual home. Um, I'm looking for a custom home. So I'm on the internet, I'm shopping around, I'm seeing all kinds of different builders, building all different kinds of beautiful homes. Some are 14,000 square feet, some are 2000 square feet, you blah, know, blah, blah. does size and shape, have a bearing on trying to build a home that generates enough energy to meet that structure's needs on an annual basis, the size and shape have a bearing on trying to do that affordably.
1: Totally. You know, um, when we started you know, building these efficient houses, we started doing some energy modeling because we wanted to see, well, where, where's the low hanging fruit to make this house more efficient? You know, do we need to put more insulation in the walls or in the roof or in the floor? How, how, you know, however it's gonna work best. And so you know, we started realizing that you lose heat or if you're in a cooling climate, you, you, you gain heat through your surface area right? So the surface area of the walls and the roof, Okay, so, you know, it seems obvious, you know, the bigger the house, the more you're going to have to heat or cool it. Um, and, and also just the more walls you have, you know, so you can imagine a house that's built like a plus sign. You've got a lot more wall than interior space, you know, it, right. Like you were just to build a rectangle, right. So, you know, we started looking at the money and deciding, well, not only does it save you a ton of money by building a simple shape. Cause you picture a rectangle, you have four corners, right? Right. You know, and you take that same square footage inside the house and you turn it into a, a plus sign. And all of a sudden I've lost track of how many corners, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you got like eight, eight corners, you know? And, <laughs> um, and every time you go around a corner, you just drop 10,000 bucks. I love it. What a great illustration. And you know, rectangular houses, In the 50s, you didn't find a house that wasn't a rectangle because they they didn't have piles of extra money to throw around. Right. So those homes are still around. (laughs) They're still around. And those houses were rectangles and they were 1,200 square feet, you know, Um, and they had three bedrooms and one bathroom and, you know, modest by our standards, but they were efficient. And so, you know, we kind of got back to building these really efficient shapes. And, you know, we can make it look interesting by, you know, doing a covered porch or a little timber frame mm-hmm. entry or some, some other thing we can, we can do, put a, a deck or something off it, to, to make it look fun, but, you know, keep the shape a rectangle. Um, and then, you know, we can also do some really simple things like make the South roof bigger than the North roof. So our South roof might be two thirds of the roof and then we'll have a small steeper North roof that way we can fit more
0: solar on there to power ah. your your house and your car. Uh interesting. Okay. So one roof would have a greater surface area. Um is there any other structural things maybe with the 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 walls uh or 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 I don't know. Is that would there be anything else significant that would be a benefit in in how you structure the rectangle
1: well as far as you know size and shape go you know we found that um if you make the southern face a little longer and i think the ratio is 1.7 to 1 you know if the if the south face is the 1.7 and the and the east and west faces are the one you can you can gain a little bit of passive solar also where you can get you know, that low winter light, you let it into the house. And then as long as your eaves stick out far enough, that summertime sun doesn't even make it in the house. You just use a little bit of geometry to your advantage to make it. So your house kind of heats itself in the winter and keeps itself cool in the summer.
0: Um, I have a question. So um, when you're looking at how homes are structured, it seems like as time marches forward sometimes the needs of the family change in terms of number of rooms size of rooms um is there a way to kind of design in flexibility in in the home to allow you to change add eliminate whatever rooms more easily in the future oh completely you know we do
1: all post and beam construction. So the, um, you know, the walls that are on the inside of the house, they're all like wallpaper. I mean, you can, you could tear them down, you can move them. You're not going to mess with the structure of the house because we we designed the house. I heard a figure somewhere a while ago that the average American house gets remodeled every 14 years or something like that. Mm -hmm. I've done enough remodels to realize what a difficult thing it is to have to have to move a wall. It turns out to be holding up the roof. You know? <laughs> um, and so, you know, like, like in my house and you can't see it on the radio, but there's, there's two posts in the middle of the house. Those are the only things you can't move everything else you can move and change. And actually what was going to be the master bedroom in this house is now the den. Okay. We just realized with our family, we, we,
0: we need, we needed less bedrooms, but more living space. So, so I, I would imagine that the, the design style that you're recommending to your customers, it allows it allows you to manage heating and cooling in the house better because you got more open space as to uh, a bunch of closed off areas. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Having I mean, open space definitely helps keep the you know air temperature similar in all the different rooms. I mean, the everything mm-hmm. is just really well insulated building envelope. You know, the outside of the house, the part that protects you from the weather. So the can
0: you can you kind of um, expand on that a little bit more? So let's so see. We started with a um, lot. Uh, you, you're looking for a, a flatter lot Um, because it's going to save money on, on preparing the lot for the home. Uh, We talked about uh, the shape and size of the home uh, uh, bearing on being able to to do a home like this as affordably as possible. Uh, We talked about the roof. Uh, We talked about the, the walls. Um, So then since we're on the walls, now we're talking about, them together, the roof, the walls as an envelope, the outside of the home. So if you could uh, maybe help us to understand maybe like some of the products or processes that you use on the roof and the walls, that would be awesome. Yeah, totally. When we,
1: when we built our first net zero energy home, it was um, specced out to be built with SIPs panels. What are those? Um, So that's a structural insulated panel. It's basically two layers of OSB with foam, you know, EPS foam, expanded polystyrene inside. Um, And they make these huge panels in the factory, cut out all your doors and windows. And so they ship them to the site, ready to be installed. Um, You know, we were all a bit skeptical because we were used to (laughs) framing methods. You know, we, we had to learn some new tricks on how to put them together, but then when we looked at how the house performed, and you know, not just how it performed in the energy modeler, but how it performed in in reality, it was compelling. You know, once we did our first SIPs house, we just couldn't build a stick frame house again. It was so much better, so much better air sealed. You know, they figure the average home loses half its energy just from air leakage, and so with a you know SIPs home, you're you just get so much better air sealing. And then the insulative value, the insulation you get with a, you know, solid, you know, foam wall is so much better than, you know, any kind of other insulation that we've, that we've tried. So, um, and then speed of construction, you know, we've been able to shave, you know, weeks off of our builds just with, just because of the SIPs panels. And that saves the customer
0: money, doesn't
1: it? It does. Cause you're paying for every, every day of that construction loan. So the quicker we can wrap it up, the better. Yeah, Um, And then on our foundation, you know, we started out, you know, insulating foundations, you know, just like it, you know, you normally would with a couple inches of foam under the slab and a little bit of foam, maybe around the perimeter. And then we discovered these insulated concrete forms. Um, And we were, you know, we were kind of reluctant to try them at first too, because I had a stack of form panels that are, you know, they're expensive. And once you learn how to.
0: That's the inch and a quarter uh, plywood. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, when you learn how to do concrete forming and all that, and it's this great skill, and you're like, well, I don't want to, you know, lose this great skill that I have. (laughs) Waste it, or you know, I have all these panels sitting here. Why waste them? Well, so for our first few net zero houses, we we would do insulated concrete forms on some of them when someone was willing to pay a little extra, and then we'd do regular, you know, forms on other ones. And we quickly realized our our profit margin on a regular concrete foundation was like five percent, and our profit margin on an insulated concrete form foundation was like thirty five percent. Wow! And we 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 realized well one we could bring our price down on our you know ICF foundation. Um, but, you know, eventually nobody on our crew wanted to carry around those big panels anymore. They said, hey, can't we just do the phone ones? Um, you know, they get delivered to the job site. Nothing's heavy. Everybody's fighting over because they stack up like Legos, you know. Yeah. They're fighting over who gets to stack them. Um, where nobody's fighting over who gets to pack the form panels. <laughs> After a few years, I I sold all our form panels to some other poor construction <laughs> company, <laughs> and uh, and we started just doing ICFs, and it saves so much. It's it's literally half the labor
0: cost. Um, wow, that's staggering. Yeah. So can you can you explain those uh, forms? How how are they different from the let's see. you said ICF, I think for the forms Yeah. and then the others were SIPs. Can you explain the difference between the two products?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Insulated concrete forms. You have a, um, a foam outside and a foam inside that are connected with either metal or plastic ties. Okay. Um, the ones we use come folded up and we unfold them. And then you pour the concrete down in between the two um, you know, layers of foam <laughs> and it stays in place. So you don't Got have to it. strip a form panel. You don't have to carry them around from job site to job site. You just, you know, all, so all our subgrade, anything below the ground, we pour with these insulated concrete forms. Um, and then anything above grade we do with the SIPS panel, which is, uh, you know, the OSB skin on each side with the,
0: with the foam. Excellent. On. So, uh, th- oh, before I move on, it, can the, uh, the foam be exposed directly to the soil for the foundation
1: yeah it can be exposed to the soil but we cover it with like a metal cladding we just have a, a piece of metal flashing bent up um, okay cover it on the outside where it's going to be exposed to the weather because you know you just don't want to see a bunch of white foam on the outside of your house you know it's just oh good point you know, good point you know cover that up someone might ding it up or something like that and it doesn't look that great you know so we put a covering on it. They actually have plastic strips in it. So you, if you have a bigger wall or or if you have say a basement, you can attach drywall to the inside and you can attach even siding to the
0: outside. Okay. So one of the things that I discovered in and work in the industry was that not all builders have in their minds the 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 help, the labor that they need to introduce a new product into their build process. And that can be a stumbling block because creating a successful business, whether it's construction or any other business, once you kind of get up and going, becoming more profitable is a process of refining the things you do, doing the things you do, Better, faster, more efficiently. And introducing a new product into your process when none of your subs are ramped up on it works against profitability. So how if a builder was interested in say they're listening to the show and they're like, man, I love the stuff that Ted's saying, like, how how do you deal with not being ramped up for these new high-performance products and processes as a builder?
1: You know, that's a great question. I mean, we, we as a construction company love trying new techniques and, you know, tossing out the ones that don't work and, and focusing on the ones that do. Um, and, and we found some, like ICFs and SIPS, that have just consistently worked really well for us. We offer classes through our local Builders Association um, you know basically when we're doing a project an ICF project or a SIPs project we reach out to them and say hey if anyone wants we're offering a class you know 3 days or or um i think one day for the ICF class 3 days for the SIPs class so somebody could come and and check it out you know check out our process actually get in there and see what the materials are like to work cool. with. they're pretty cost effective you know we we don't offer them for free it costs a couple hundred bucks to come and and check it out but but then you get real hands-on experience of how to do it. Um, and we're also trying to get going on some like YouTube videos and things like that. to come out there already. And, and, uh, um, and I think we've refined the process pretty well to make it,
0: you know, fast and simple to understand. So. Love it. That's great. In case you're just joining us, you're listening to designing and building your dream home. And with us today is Ted Clifton of TC legend homes. So uh, Ted, we left off talking about SIPS and ICFs and how they can benefit the homeowner in the construction of the home. I wanted to ask you about the foundation. So I believe that you are doing concrete foundations for a, a lot of your homes, whereas maybe other builders are are, are framing up the the floor. Is there a reason you you have kind of standardized on these slab concrete floors? Does it, is it more than aesthetics? Is it aesthetics? Is it the fact that you can polish them and they look fantastic? Or is there anything more involved with why you use them? Yeah, my main
1: reason is that, um, well, I don't know. Have you ever been in a crawl space? Yes, unfortunately. <laughs> Did you like it in there?
0: It's like those horror, horror tunnel movies where you walk down in this dark space and you're not sure if you'll come back out again.
1: So if you could have a home that didn't have a crawl space and didn't have an attic, would you want that home? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I've worked on enough homes. I know if I build a crawl space, I'm going to be in it. So. You know, that was one of the first things we realized is if we could eliminate the crawl space, eliminate the attic, we just eliminated, well, number one, a gross place that you don't want to be. And number two, it's just a place for rodents to hang out and chew up all your stuff, you know. I'm
0: gonna build a little
1: home for you, Mr. Rodent. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're just building a house for rats and raccoons, and let's keep let's just not do that. And so um, and so we decided on the Slab on grade Foundation. Uh, we quickly realized once we ran it through the energy modeler that we needed a little extra insulation down under that slab to make the house nice and cozy because you don't want a cold concrete floor. You know, you want it to be nice and, and comfortable like the rest of your house, you know, um, and, or maybe you want it cold if you're in a hot climate, but you want to control that. You don't want it just whatever temperature it happens to be. So, um, you know, we insulate under there a little better and then um. You know, that ties in with the rest of our envelope with the SIPs panel walls and, and roof and um, insulated concrete form perimeter uh,
0: to yeah. a really well insulated, easy to heat and cool house. So um, I, I know that from long ago, I fell in love with log homes. And one of the things that I love about them is when you have these big, massive structures, it. It can keep the temperature in the home more stable. Does that work the same with uh,
1: slabs? Oh, for sure. You know, the concrete slab in our houses is kind of a it's kind of a thermal storage device. You know, it's uh, you know we'll do in-floor radiant heat. We'll pump warm water through the floors. And then that'll kind of radiate and keep the house nice and toasty. Or even we've been experimenting with pumping cold water through the floors to cool it off in the summertime. And it's a great, you know, temperature delivery device for yeah. comfortable. I mean, your feet, tell me if it's a, if it's cold out and your feet are nice and toasty, it kind of makes your whole body warm. And same thing, if it's too hot out, if you can cool off that floor, it's real, makes it real
0: comfortable. That's pretty cool. Cause I know that when they talk about radiant floor, um, heating and cooling. It makes sense because the heating and cooling starts at your feet and it goes up to your head and then it starts to dissipate as opposed to when heat's coming from other places. Uh, the way it's delivered to the space is not necessarily, does not necessarily feel as comfortable. As uh, uh, radiant heating and cooling, that's pretty cool. Well, I've got several other points that I want to, if I have time, have you uh, weigh in on. But there's one point that I wanted to just take a little break from going step by step through the the build out of a super high performance home that's affordable. You you coined this term for the 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 design style that um, you build to. And I was hoping that you might take a few moments. You just got to explain to us what this means. So the term is environmental modernism. I I love
1: that. Um, So we really embrace this idea of form following function, right? And you hear this in architecture all the time, form follows function. And then, and then, you know, it doesn't always get applied. And we thought, well, how, how does this work? And really, you know, the energy modeling guided it. And so as soon as we had a program where we could punch in numbers on how many square feet of wall and how many square feet of roof and how many windows we had and how efficient they were, the size and shape of our houses changed. Uh, And we started to, we started to just minimize cost and maximize efficiency and what we ended up with after, you know, a decade or a little more now building these net zero energy homes is a, you know, a south facing roof that's larger than the north facing roof. So we might have a um, a mellow pitch south facing roof that takes two thirds of the roof space and just a short, steep north side. And that allows you enough solar to not only power the house, but also an electric car. Um the other things that we ended up doing are, are, you know, making this house the 1.7 wide to the one deep, um, -hmm. maximizes your ability for, uh, you know, solar gain in the winter time and then solar shading in the summertime, because those South facing windows are shadable. You know, the sun does this predictable thing where it rises in the East and sets in the West and depending on your latitude, it's at a certain height in the sky. So here where we're at, we size our win- you know, our window shading. So that in the summertime, you get no sunlight in the um, you know, direct sunlight. Into your- right. And in the wintertime, it pours right in and warms up your house. Well, the east and west, you can't shade it because it's coming in so low. You know? That's where the sun's rising and setting. So that's where that's why you have a little more area facing south than than east and west because you actually have the ability to shade those windows passively without you know, without pulling down the curtains or whatever. And then, you know, a a layout that gives you daylight in the room that you're going to be in during that time of the day, right? I mean, I live in kind of a darker you know place where people want more daylight. And so we put the rooms, you know, the kitchen, living room, the dining room, all the all the main living areas along that south wall, you know. And so you might you might have the kitchen in the southeast, so you have your breakfast in the sunrise, and then you have your dining room in the middle, and maybe your living room to the to the west, so you get the sun, you know, sunset coming in. But just you know, figuring out okay, maybe we put staircases, closets, you know, um, bedrooms to the north where it's going to be a little darker. And so really, you know, nature, I mean, the sun guides our housing design. Um, And then lastly, just the right size rooms. There's a, there's such a thing as a too big room. And if you've ever been in a kitchen where you had to take like 10 steps to get to the fridge from the stove, you realize this is not a, no restaurant would accept a kitchen like this. (laughs) A kitchen is nine feet by 12 feet. And if you go too much bigger, you know, if, if you have to take five steps or 10 steps to get from the sink to the stove, you just designed a too big kitchen. And so we really have a right size. What is the right size room? Like if, if your bathroom can fit a sofa in it, that is a wrong <laughs> size bathroom it might look good in a magazine. And it might seem very luxurious, but you don't need a sofa in the bathroom. Um, and and or a kitchen where you got to run a
0: marathon just to cook dinner. So Love it. so do you have to talk people down from some of some of the ideas that they've seen in magazines to reality <laughs> almost
1: every time. Maybe one in 10 of our clients really gets it from the start, you know, because and often it's cuz they're they're retired, they're on a budget, they're like I have this many dollars right. I'm on the utility bill or but, you know, most of our clients, you know, you read all these, you know, design magazines and see all these things and they'll have like the green built house of the year and it'll be 6,000 square feet and facing North, you know, and, and <laughs> I'll look at that and I'll scratch my head and I'm like, well, did they just paint it green? You know, What's the, <laughs> how'd they figure that one out? But um, so, so we really just try to let
0: that form follow the function. I love it. So um, I'm running out of time. I, I could, I could listen to you for hours, Ted, you're a fantastic explainer, but what I'm going to say is there's a couple of points that I, I want to cover for sure. Cause I'd like you to tell us a little bit more about uh, TC legend, but there's some, there's some other points for the listeners. Um, when Ted tells you how to reach out to TC legend, make note of these because we're not going to have time to talk about them today. Ask them, what are HRVs, heat recovery uh, ventilation systems, talk about heat pumps, mini splits, why the type of appliances you choose for your home will impact its ability to save money on your energy costs. Um, So Those are some three great points that we didn't get to that the TC Legend team can uh, help you to understand as you're planning your home. What I did want to make sure we covered, though, Ted, are HERS raters. So we had um, a couple people from ResNet on uh, recently to kind of talk about HERS ratings and how important they are for consumers to be able to evaluate one home against another home. So if you have two homes, both basically costing the same amount of money, and uh, there's no way to evaluate how efficient those homes are built, you ultimately will pay the cost because if one home is built more efficiently, the cost of heat and cool it is going to come down. It might look exactly the same on the outside as the, the home that's not built efficiently. But the way you determine one home against another, the easiest way is a HERS rating. So can you talk just a little bit, Ted, I know you use uh, HERS raters about why you use them and, and how a consumer can benefit by by buying a home that was built by a builder who uses uh, energy rating. Yeah, for sure.
1: You know, we, we first, I mean, there is a code requirement that we had a blower door test. And so, um, and so the code hadn't come into effect yet, but we started, you know, we had a a, a third party verifier come into a blower door test on a house and they said, Oh, wow, this is the tightest house we've ever tested. And so, you know, we thought, well, that's, that's neat. You know, what other things can we, can we check out? And our, um, our verifier that did our, you know, our blower door test there said, Well, I also do this thing called the HERS rating. It's a home energy rating system where we can kind of go through and enter in all these details about your house and predict how much energy it's going to use, kind of like a gas mileage, you know, like how many miles per gallon your car gets or whatever. And so we said, Well, that's fun. How much does that cost? And it seemed, you it know, was just a few hundred bucks. And so we thought, Well, that'd be worth it. We'll try it on one house. <laughs> and once we tried it on a house, we really realized. It was that third party verifier that came in and now she does all our all our HERS ratings. We do one on every house. We also do our local, we have a built green program through the local builders association. We do on every house um, and a handful of other certifications. We always you know, go for the department of energy, net zero energy ready home. And as soon as they update that to the actual net zero home, we'll go for that. So really our goal is to have every house make its own power. So, having that third party verifier, it, it kind of keeps us on our toes, you know, because she'll come in and say, Hey, you're not, you know, you're not getting enough points in this category. You need to work on your indoor air quality. And, and nice. this was 10 years ago. We said, Wait, what's indoor air quality? <laughs> and, and, well, she said, the, Well, what, you know, you like to breathe air, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, air. Okay. Um, and you're building these super tight houses. Wow, what, Where's the air going to come from? And so, you know, we started putting in these really neat ventilation systems, you know, with HRVs and HEPA filters and all this other stuff. So you can get really allergy free air. Nice. Or if there's a forest fire, you're, you know, I'm getting smoke free air um, where, you know, I'll tell my kids, hey, go inside and get some fresh air if it's, if, it, if the air quality is bad outside, you know, and it's like a, it turns your house into a sanctuary.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let's let's um let's do this then. Uh, as we are uh, wrapping up, let's take a little bit of time and have um you talk a little bit, uh, Ted, about the firm. Um, I would love to have the listeners know what it is that really distinguishes TC Legend from some of the uh, competitors here in the Northwest. You know, the biggest thing I
1: think about our team, and we have a different kind of construction company. It's not like the construction companies that I had grown up working for, worked for, you know, in my earlier days. Um, It's, you know, we care not only about our customers, care about the houses we build, we care about the people that we work with. And it really does feel like a team and a family when we work together um, the, you know, everyone gets an input. We have a Monday morning meeting where everybody gets to share their thoughts, ideas, feelings, things we're doing well, things, you know, sometimes that wraps up pretty quick. And sometimes, you know, someone has some really good ideas about where to, you know, an idea technique to try. Um, and then we try to tie in, you know, we have a design team, we have a business management team, and we have an on-site construction team. And so, You know, we have a meeting every week as well, just to take an hour to just tie all those teams together to make sure we get, um, you know, the feedback from that construction crew meeting to the designers and to the business manager, you know, team, because innovation happens on the job site. It doesn't happen in the office. You know, innovation happens when you're pounding two boards together and something didn't fit. And then you know, we, we return that information to, or, or a detail isn't clear. You can't read it, you know, cause it's um, the print's too small or whatever. We're um, really getting that feedback and then, and then really respecting each other, realizing that, you know, it's not like there's a bunch of employees working for the boss. It's like, we work together for each other um, nice. with each other. And so I think if you were to ask anyone on our team, they'd have, they'd have a similar, um, feeling about how it is to work with us it's uh you know when we have a difficult task like picking up all the recycling for the site usually we all jump in and do it together you know nice unloading a truck or whatever it's not like there's one poor chap that is doing all the grunt work and and everybody else you know is you know there's not there's not as much of a hierarchy i think um as some other construction companies and And I think it helps being focused on, you know, this goal of net zero energy housing, being really passionate about recycling, you know, to recycle all our plastics and, you know, things, things like that, that really get people interested in in trying more, doing better. I mean, we, we work a four day work week. So everybody gets three day weekends. Every nice turns out people like three day weekends, (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know we we have a local ski area we give the crew seasons passes so they can you know ski during the winter because winters are a little dismal yeah and if it snows more than 10 inches you know it's like a mandatory day off or or you don't have to bother calling in sick you just don't show up you know i'll see you
0: on the slopes
1: yeah so um that's great little, little things like that that make a. um if anyone's interested in running a really nice business that would be a good place to work, I recommend Yvonne Chouinard's book, uh, Let My People Go Surfing. That was where I really got got my ideas about how you should run a company.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, that's, that's a really great way to kind of uh, sum up the experience that uh, is your firm uh, for, for- people interested in having a custom home built that what that says is the the people that are going to be building your home love where they work they love the people they work with and they're passionate about their mission and those are all things that are going to benefit you as they're building out your home
1: oh yeah people are happy and having a good day they're much more likely to do high quality work you know yeah still get in and get the work done Um, It's not like we're taking um, time off all the time, but, (laughs) you know, enough enough fun to balance that work, um, family play, you know,
0: balance. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, this has been super, super informative. Uh, Again, if you're uh, kind of getting your head around the next home uh, for your family, consider having something designed and built specifically for your family. And if you would like to n- never write checks to the local utility company for heating and cooling your home, then the person and the team that's going to help you to figure that out, put it together is TC Legend Homes. Uh, Ted, how do, how do we get in touch with you if we'd like to learn more about uh, your uh, custom home firm?
1: Yeah, probably, you know, our website is tclegendhomes.com. Our design website is powerhouse-designs.com. Really, if you were just to Google net zero energy homes in my area, you'll either find us or somebody really interesting that's going to be excited to um, design and build
0: you uh, an award-winning net zero energy home. Oh, fantastic. Well, again, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Ted. You've been listening to Designing and Building Your Dream Home. If you missed any portion of today's uh, broadcast, you can download the entire show wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, KT, and we'll see you next week.